Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Strangely, he did care. More and more, he wanted to be the wild to this people. They were a means, a tool, but a man could treat his tools well. Too many of Bao's associates would break or cast aside a tool once their interest waned. Bao the Wild, River of Souls. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my good friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And today we are talking about Brandon Sanderson's River of Souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was a thing. You know, like I think you were the one who told me about it, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Uh, I didn't know it was a thing. No, no, I was really, it's always really exciting to find something like that. Like, it's just, I don't know. Any chance to have this story continued in, in a way is just like happiness for me. No, it's exciting. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, do yeah. we want to do a quick kind of run through of Shara before we actually kind of talk about Ooh. River of Souls? It's not a bad idea. I mean, it's it's another one of those wheel of time sections where it's like, you should just know this. Should you, though? I, I mean, when they showed up in the books, I'm like, who? What? Oh, these guys? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like, it was... I mean, I kind of liked it, you know? Like, the, almost that surprise factor that they come they come with later on. But... I also just kind of felt like, who the fuck are these guys? (laughs) Snakes and Foxes says it's their third favorite land. Ooh. Now I want to know what the first and second. The first has to be Sindhal, right? Are we considering that a land? I feel Mm. like it would be. Good question. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my Birkenstock. Sindhal and the land, land of madman, madmen. Ooh, we need to do a land of madmen episode. Yeah, I I think the only time we've ever really talked about that particular location is when we did the sea folk. Like that was the first mm-hmm. time I'd learned about it, even. But do they even have anything to do with the sea folk except for that it's an island? The only thing that I think was connected to it was that like they knew never to go there. You know, <laughs> okay, like yeah, <laughs> the breaking is continuing there. Let's let's stay away from from that place. Steer clear. Yeah, yeah. I think that was about the only the only note that I had on it when we did the sea folk. Well, I mean, Shara, there is a little bit of an overlap with Shara and the sea folk. I guess it's just because mostly. There's no real way to enter Shara mm-hmm. unless you have like a special trading permission, and even then, you can't see inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the nation's entirely closed off. Like when I'm looking at the map, it's 
bordering on the Isle Waste to mm-hmm. the west, but the border that touches the Isle Waste is kind of just like jagged cliffs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if even one of the Isle made it that far east, mm-hmm. they would just be looking up, I guess. Yeah, when I was reading about trade with Shara because it's so 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 limited but they're like the only exporter of fine silk and ivory I think there's other um the Shanchen export silk but not nearly as much yeah and they probably don't trade with the Westlands (laughs) which I mean Shara didn't either until Char didn't trade with anybody really for silk. Mm, that might not be 100% accurate, but the Silk Road was built between the Kyrian and the Sharans the through the Aiel. And so yeah. they would like traverse the Aiel waste and get to like one of the very few locations where you ports yeah where you could like do some kind of trading but everybody inside a sharan city wears a veil so even if you're trading with a sharan you don't see them i don't think it's everyone it's just anyone that could come in contact with an outsider okay you know i thought i had read something where it was like everyone in the port cities were required to wear veils Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, if it was in the port city, because that's just like, I think those are just little places that they have set up specifically for trade. So Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, they don't seem like large cities. There don't really seem to be, and I could be wrong, but there don't really seem to be large cities in Shara. Like for how large it is, it's fairly sparsely populated. Right? Well, I mean, I, I think the the question here is there's no way to really verify any of it. And pretty much <laughs> all of the Sharon background that we get is via some mystery author. So, like, yeah. even then, you don't know what is really true or what's exaggerated or what's, you know, what they're leaving out, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's hard to know pretty much anything for a fact. Yeah. And I think, too, like, it's it's interesting how, like, even the coastal, like, port towns, mm-hmm. everything is so walled off that the walls, like, will go out into the ocean really far out so that even if you were out on a boat, like, even if you were that... I guess, ballsy to, like, come <laughs> close to Shara where you could, like, see land from a boat. Mm-hmm. They've got everything walled off anyways. So yeah. even if you're out in the sea, there's walls coming out into the sea where it's, like, they're they're just so reclusive. It really reminds me of North Korea. I believe under inspiration, China was mentioned because of, like, the silk and, uh, like, secretive nature that China held for a long time. And I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, I mean, anytime there's a, a real-world example, it helps things become clearer in my head. I don't know. I got major North Korean vibes. I agree it's with just, you. 
so reclusive. Like, I mean, you can't go into North Korea. Like, Mm -hmm. what was it just in the past couple years? They actually opened up the border so that families that were displaced between North and South Korea could visit one another and see one another after years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't cross the the border there. You can sneak in if you're lucky. But, I mean, it feels so similar to Shara where on top of having this really reclusive, closed-off nation, Mm -hmm. it's very secretive, Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like, I don't know, there's there's a lot of, like, lies propagated about how peaceful everything is, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, there's claims of total peace and a completely monolithic society where everyone is in lockstep and has the exact same views, same culture. Trollop Wars never touched them. Mm -hmm. They were never invaded by Arthur Hawkwing. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing bad has ever happened here. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, apparently there are reports that those things happened to an extent I guess Arthur Hawkwing sent his daughter off to Shara in the same way that he had sent his son off to Shanshan. And there were reports saying that there were ships seen on fire in those port cities. Like Arthur Hawkwing ships or Sharan ships? Arthur Hawkwing ships. Yeah. Thank okay. you. I was I was trying to get to that clarification and my throat was very fl- foggy. Flemmy froggy? Loggy? I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. No, it's like there's all of these, all this like Sharon fake news, I guess, you know, and we, we we don't know what to consider as true, but then on (laughs) snakes and foxes said, please don't flog your throat. (laughs) (laughs) On top of this whole like secretive, you know, structure of everything and Mm -hmm propaganda there is this ultimate ruler which again is so very north korean yeah like it's eerie it's eerie and the Mm -hmm. names of the rulers are so funny i mean okay so if it's a female it's shaboan and if it's male it's shabote mm-hmm. <laughs> and i am refraining 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 from saying shabuti right <laughs> because that's just how i read it Same. in my mind okay yeah no it made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> me too but I, okay this to me is wild i did not know this until just a few hours ago, but if you're the ultimate ruler, if you're the Shaboan or the Shabote, mm-hmm. you choose your mate, mm-hmm. and after seven years of ruling, you die. Mm-hmm. And your mate resumes your rule and becomes the new ultimate ruler mm-hmm. and they choose a new mate and in seven years they die and the mm-hmm. mate picks up and this goes on and on in perpetuity mm-hmm. so like they've never had I mean there's no democracy of any kind <laughs> yeah actually I was thinking exactly that when you started talking about North Korea as a comparison and yeah like although I do have to kind of wonder, because one of the things that I read said that the Ayad, 
Ayad are like they're kind of like the Aes Sedai in the Westlands where they're puppeteers for the rulers. Did you read anything like that? Um, yeah, so this mystery author, which is basically everything that I've just said so far mm-hmm. has come from, where it's like this nameless person in the Wheel of Time history books. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they had mentioned that instead of this seven years, like just random death of the Shabote or the Shaboan, mm-hmm. that he made this mystery writer claimed that these leaders were actually murdered and that they're murdered by the Iad and that yes. these ultimate rulers are actually the false rulers and it's the female Iad who actually rule Shara. Mm-hmm. So what the people believe is that it's just the great pattern, you know, mm-hmm. it's just coming from high above mm-hmm. that this is how things play out. But in reality, the Ayat are killing the leaders. And he also, or he or she, mentioned that, you know, the nation is just ripe with slavery and, like, kind of leaves that, like, dot, 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 dun, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a um, unique ruling system in the Westlands. I don't really think there's another one like this. Especially with this, like, this constant turnover of, like, one consort to ruler to consort to ruler. And, I mean, they don't have a choice in who's chosen, right? Like, it's just like, oh, hey, you're going to be this person. I choose you. Yeah. And I mean, how it would be interesting to know, like, how they're choosing this person. You know, they're like, oh, like, this person is the best looking. Like, that's who I want my mate to be. Mm -hmm. That's what I was wondering, too. (laughs) I mean, human nature, if you you know what I mean. Yeah, if I only get to be with you for seven years... You should be right, hot. <laughs> right. My superficiality is showing, apparently. <laughs> right, and if you're the ultimate ruler, like who's to say? Like this is just—it's mm-hmm. not even an arranged marriage. It's just like do they I come in with you? Yeah, do they come in with CVs and they're like, okay, you you would make a good co-ruler and then ruler after this, like an interview doubt process. It. Yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. Highly doubt it. <laughs> But I mean, seriously, like, how do they do that? How do they make that choice? They have, you know, the Sharon version of The Bachelor and Bachelorette every seven years. Snakes and Foxes said, work experience includes exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, like. It's, a, it's really interesting. And then the Ayad, the way that they're structured, is so weird, too. Like... Oh, my gosh. You know, like, I, when you don't think things can get any worse for a certain <laughs> group of people in the Wheel of Time, all you have to do is do a little digging and little you just extreme. find a new group of victims and mm-hmm. traumatized people. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, the... The Ayad are both male and female, but mm-hmm. the females 
have very different roles, it would seem. Like the the men who can channel, they're not even... Well, I guess we should, I guess we should just like clarify that the Iad are male and female Sharans who can channel. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. I like clarifications. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like in the Westlands, if a guy can channel, there are all these different cultures that deal with it differently and Shara is no exception to that but their their way of treating men who can channel is upsetting like well I mean I think every culture that that deals with male channelers is upsetting right like but this one like they catch they catch them young they well, they're go ahead. They're go not ahead. always caught young. They're also bred, you know. Yes. So like yes. they're. Ugh, sorry, it's no. It's yeah, okay. It's... They're not even. They're not given names. They're not allowed to read. They're referred to as the male, not he or him or anything like that. Like it's a very dehumanizing experience. And they're taken around to villages and women who want to have children are, like, given time with this male and they will hopefully have a baby together. And the guy has no no choice in this. And No, it's it, basically like the handma- Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. but for men. Yeah, yeah. It's appalling. So it's it's they get used in such a different way than how is done in other places in the Westlands, I would say, and it's just and at the at the age of twenty one, they're just killed. Yeah, they're told like if they can okay if the offspring between a male ayad and female ayad is born and is found out that he can channel, I think when he turns, I want to say like 25 or something, Mm -hmm. it might be younger, it might be like 16, I'll have to see if I can look that up later. Yeah. That's a pretty big gap. (laughs) My memory is not serving me. I think if I remember it right, it's 16 they start breeding them and at 21 is when they take them away. To okay. End their life. Yeah. Real channelers. I think. Those yeah. Are the right they're ages. like, we're gonna take you here, and then they just put them like hooded on a wagon and take mm-hmm. them out to the field and get rid of them old yeller style, like <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Which I mean, if that's what you're gonna do, you would want you would want to make sure that they don't know because mm-hmm. you don't want to fight a bunch of male channelers you don't want an uprising yeah but there's also like i don't know just these the weirdness between like how the the male iad and the female iad are raised like Mm -hmm. the women iad are raised by their mothers but the sons are raised communally Mm -hmm. so like they keep them illiterate so that they Mm -hmm. can't like read or write Mm-hmm. Basically, like, all they know how to do is dress themselves mm-hmm. and do, like, menial tasks. Yep. And then, like, that's it. That's, that's it. your life. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Robert Jordan, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right? This is such a bizarre... Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, 
what did he like what did he see in his life that put this idea into his head to create it because so much of what he does is based on human history our history i mean a lot of it of course is fantasy but at the same time you know well i mean this is if you look at like slavery in the United States, there mm-hmm. were there, there were slaves that were slavery. used. F- mm-hmm. Yeah, but there were also slaves that were used for like breeding. So yep. like it's like there is really messed up things in our own culture that some people don't even know about. So yeah. I mean, like there's not like it's not a huge step to make to like bring this into fantasy. That when is true. It happens. But at least, yeah, this one, this one doesn't feel so scummy talking about because it's like imaginary societies and nations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's awful, terrible stuff. The chattel slavery aspect that Shara has is the same as what was used in the United States. So if you had a male slave and a female slave and they had a child, that child belonged to you as well. And that was also done. Like, that happens in Shara, and that's something that happened in the United States. Like, we just yeah. did Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad for Book Club. And, like, one of the things that gets touched on a couple different times is, like, you breed your slaves for money. So it's, like, money making more money. Right. And it's hard for me not to throw up in my mouth. A little thinking about that perspective and that's what and the Sharns don't even do it for money it's just a part of their I mean okay no I take that back because their entire economy society is fueled by the work of these slaves and they're like overseen by a very small nobility so I mean it is economically Yeah, and I don't even know if there really is a nobility. Like, is there a Sharon nobility? Or is it just ultimate is. rulers? Like, because I mean, it's, it feels like you're either the leader or you're not. And all right? of the Iad are commanded under this one ultimate ruler. So, before I like say anything definitively, I rarely do that anyway, I found some things that felt like they were discrepancies between one like web page and another and so like and even with like the companion i was like this doesn't match up with what this says so i don't really know for sure but i feel like i remember okay so on slavery it says the entire sharon culture is built upon the enslavement of the many by the few and so I think I think that indicates that there is – let me see if I highlighted something about there. I mean, there's at least, like, different – there has to be at least some different social statuses because, like, there yes. are, you know, yeah. traders, like, merchants. Yep. So, like, there has to be that. But, I mean, we don't know if their lives are any better than someone who – builds ladders to climb up cliffs you know what I mean or someone who makes rope or whatever like we don't know 
mm-hmm. anything really. Yeah. But I think I think it is safe to say that there is at least a wealthy class. Like they're the ones who benefit from having all of these slaves. Sounds familiar. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just, I can't get past the ultimate ruler thing. I feel like if there is one, like, ultimate ruler, they wouldn't want any competition Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. So they would make sure that there was no one that can come close to, like, their level of ruling or whatever. Like, nobody would be able to get too far ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. There are just too many things that I have questions around for how charm culture is built and there's not enough for answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on so that we can actually talk a little bit about, I mean, there's a few things I definitely want to talk about. The River of Souls, novella. Mm. And yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about TV speculation because... Okay. Yeah. Should we touch on Sharn yeah. Prophecy before we get into River of Souls? I think um, that's the sure. only... Sure. We just, yeah, just keep it quick and... Yeah, I just wanted to, to like, mention that there is a, a prophecy in Shara that is connected to and yet separate from the prophecies that are being fulfilled by Rand in the Westlands. And the way that this unfolds in reversals, I think, is really interesting. I tried finding um, Shar and Prophecy, but there was nothing on the interwebs. So, if it's hiding out there somewhere, I would love more inter- I would love more <laughs> information about it. I can talk. <laughs> Tracy's like, I'm going to tell you about this prophecy. There's we not, don't know it. Well, see, that's just it. It's like I want people to know that there's just like it's it's different and separate from the one that's happening in the Westlands, but we also aren't given a whole lot about it. Like, and I mean that's kind of at the heart. I mean, it doesn't sound. It sounds like we're not given anything about it. Yeah, like I don't even think there's anything mentioned in the chapter that like touches on the prophecy. You mean other within than, the novella? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Okay. Just that it's there right. and River of Souls away. River of Souls away. Let's mm-hmm. let's <laughs> let's hop on this river and see where it takes us. Maybe we'll find a soul <laughs> along the way. Are we one floating? Or two. Is this river float? River float, I w- river float of souls. <laughs> I was thinking more like doggy paddling. You know. <laughs> That's going to be the name for the episode is River Float of Souls. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So we start out with our main character, who is Bao. He is not yet Bao the Wild. He is just Bao. Yep. And don't you dare call him the Wild yet. He's not ready for it. No, he's not. And we do get like a couple kind of interesting minor characters. Mm-hmm. So he there's Mental, mm-hmm. who is basically kind of like a sworn follower slash mm, he almost has this kind of like mentor like yeah. 
mm-hmm. vibe to him. Yep. But he's always meditating, so he doesn't really say much. And that is how you take care of dialogue for some of your characters. <laughs> <laughs> right? And just have them in a trance the whole right? time. Yeah. But Ment- Mental is meditating until Bao fulfills his prophecy. Mm-hmm. And then we also have another character named Shandala mm-hmm. and is quick and as little as she has to do or say mm-hmm. in the novella. I did really like her mm-hmm. because we are humanizing Bao a little bit through her character where he's I think there's one point where she puts her hand on his shoulder mm-hmm. and he thinks to himself like years ago I would have never felt anything for anyone mm-hmm. just like even just the smallest hint of him caring for her to him is like shocking mm-hmm. to himself yeah yeah he finds himself like feeling sad like a little bit sad when her hand like moves away from him and he's like mm, I don't like that yeah and did you get the did you get the sense like of how I mean it it's written very cinematically. We have mm-hmm. all of these men climbing a cliffside, but they're just like hanging there waiting until he fulfills his prophecy. So like mm-hmm. I can just see these like hundreds and hundreds of men just holding tight and waiting. Mm-hmm. Like wow. Mhm. That's um yeah, they've got a lot of faith in this guy. And it seems like mm-hmm. everyone that he's surrounded with does mm-hmm. because they're telling him, like, you're going to do it. And someone even calls him Bow the Wild, and he's like, not yet. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he has to make this trek through the, what is it called? Through the heart tomb. Mm hmm. And he has to go, I mean, it sounds like he's traveling for about a day and maybe like a day and a half it takes him to get there and then he has to do his thing and then he has to travel back. Mm -hmm. So like he has to get this done within three days, I believe. Was that Mm -hmm. it? Three? And if he can't come back on time, then the prophecy, he has failed. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so as he's traversing the Sharon lands he eventually sees the river and he fills his um like canteen whatever mm-hmm. he has with him and he tells himself I can't drink from it yet not mm-hmm. until I've completed you know my task mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. but he eventually finds the the cave mm-hmm. why does all of these I feel like so often in the Wheel of Time, why is everyone in caves all the time? Have you noticed this? Mm-hmm. In this case, I kind of chalked it up to an intentional comparison to what happens at the end of Eye of the World. Yeah, that would make sense. Or Robert Jordan is just, like, really into spelunking. <laughs> Well, I think like, that's the caves, obvious correct more. answer. <laughs> more caves. Give me all the caves. All the caves. Yeah, that um, was, I felt as though this 
this section, this requirement, the burn on his hand that gets mentioned, like, there's this oh, yeah. very obvious draw of the parallels between this journey and the journey that Rand is experiencing in the Westlands. Like, he has these people, and they're like, you fulfilled prophecy, and he's like, it wasn't intentional, it was an accident, I'm using you, and they're like, we love you! And they're, like, just waiting for him to fulfill this this prophecy, and he's, like, pushing people away. Like, his his reaction to Shendla, is that her name? Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Like, when yeah. he's He's like, I love her touch, but I don't want her to touch me. It's Rand. That sounds exactly like Rand. Like his whole, I can't care about anybody. Like everyone is a tool and I can't get too close or let anybody get too close to me. And so to me, it just felt so like we're trying to build these similarities to see, I don't know, whatever we kind of want to see in it. Yeah, and too, I mean, he, he believes that, like, maybe not maybe not fully, mm-hmm. but he's verging on believing that, like, yes, like, mm-hmm. this is the will of the great pattern or mm-hmm. the great tapestry, and mm-hmm. maybe a few years ago he would have never been on this path like just Mm -hmm. things ended up to where he has these followers he's overthrown the shabowan or the shabote i don't remember if it was a male or female ruler at the time that bao took shara basically Mm -hmm. but he's overthrown the ultimate ruler and he now has the backing of the ayad Mm-hmm. And they're waiting for him. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I just, this could be such a, I don't know, like, I I really liked this novella. I'm, mm-hmm. I understand why they wouldn't put it in the books, but I'm also kind of like, well, that was dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so short. It's and 23 pages. It's nothing. Mm-mm. Nothing. Maybe they were trying, maybe they had to cut out, like, every last spare page they could so that they could actually buy into the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just too big. Yeah, but it, it's pretty hefty. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he eventually makes it to this cave, mm-hmm. and what I found really interesting was his, what he finds there, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. So the cave is in total darkness, and he's following a trail of, like, plants and foliage Mm -hmm. into the cave and he's like the plants shouldn't be growing here Mm -hmm. and he's like there's a nim here Mm -hmm. i know it and what's funny is like we had the green man in the eye of the world who was the last living nim turns Mm -hmm. out that was a lie right yeah Mm mm-hmm that's and an, he again. he's so unceremoniously just like be gone, Nim. He's like, yeah, <laughs> and now fire. you're gone, dead. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing that your job, quick. Tracy. What? Do you want to guess what my favorite part of River of Souls was? The fact that there's a Jumara in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not even just a pupil Jumara, nope. like a 
juvenile Jumara. Juvenile. Yeah. It has legs, even. Yeah. It's not just a worm anymore. This this creature moment was really fun. <gasps> it was really cool. It was really cool. He's like, the whole inside of the cave, there's like sharp things and tentacles coming at me and then he realizes that the jumara's mouth is just wide open (laughs) so it has expanded to the entire inside of the cave and he was just like looking down the gullet of said jumara and i loved it yeah i just although i have this kind of cartoony image that goes like my brain goes one of two ways on this like of course, I think kind of like Star Wars and what happens with like the Millennium Falcon and th- that, but also just like this poor Jumara just like with its mouth wide open all the time being like, would something please just please just walk into my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> it probably just sleeps like that, you know? Right? Just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and what what is this Nim doing next to a Jumara? Right, I don't know. They're hanging out. They're roomies. <laughs> did, <you see? laughs> did Jumara never talk? Because its mouth is always wide open. <laughs> Look what snakes and foxes just posted. This is exactly it. This is exactly it. Sandy, watch out. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the cave. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> But I, yeah, how does this uh, symbiosis work? The Nim just isn't food to the Jumara, I guess, or? He's providing camouflage for the the Jumara because, like, there are all these green things growing around the Jumara to kind of make it look like it's part of the cave. Maybe that's what it is. Living camouflage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know. know. But it it is really fun in the way that, like, he, he jack- at it. Yeah, he like Jackie Chan's off the wall and then mm-hmm. uses channeling like gusts of air to like catapult him in this epic <laughs> sword dive into wherever the Jumara is most vulnerable. Yep. And as he is kind of like wiping off the blood. He's realizing like some of it's his blood, mm-hmm. and he thinks like, "Good thing I've had a one-on-one before with the Jumara, <laughs> so I knew how to deal with it." Yeah. But it's very rare for anyone to be ever like that deadly and mm-hmm. not, you know get killed off by a jumara it's just like okay bow like all right now we kind of understand like why he's he's this great swordsman and he is pretty ferocious Mm -hmm. yeah i i love so i didn't know this maybe i did maybe i just forgot it that's totally normal for me but how you can't use the one power against a jumara it will just strengthen them and so he has this yes. moment where he's like Aginor I hope you burn wherever you are like <laughs> I love that part <laughs> so much I think he says uh... he saw only its mouth and some of its tendrils and spines Chumara strengthened when the one power was used against them 
Aginor, yes. I hope you burn wherever you are, Bao thought. He had always hated these creatures. Yep. He snarled and charged the beast. <laughs> and then he, like, he lifts up rocks and heats them to, like, molten. molten. Yeah, and Lava. then, like, throws it at the Jumara and then attacks it. Like, ah, just, it's a really good quick little scene and I, I love it when we can get something like that. I was not expecting a Jumara when this this started out. It was really exciting. <laughs> well, I had always kind of seen his character as someone kind of like comical because mm-hmm. you know when he shows up in the main series and he's mm-hmm. like screaming like come at me! <laughs> and I just found him so petulant, but yeah. here in the novella, he's actually really charismatic, mm-hmm. and you can understand why he has all of these followers. Yeah, and like listening to him make swift work of this Jumara, then you're like, oh, okay, he is kind of a badass. Yeah. Okay, I get mm-hmm. it now. I get it now. Mm-hmm. And also, like the way that he won't accept the title of Wild until he's done with this section of the the prophecy, uh, one of his companions is named Torn, and he kind mm-hmm. of teases him and it says something like, you must be like the nicest or kindest or whatever despot the world has ever known. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Then again, you're Sharon, so what do you have to compare it to, you know? This is true. This is true. He did kind of remind me of Rain from New Spring, just in that, like, jovial, joking kind of way. Yeah, I can see that. I can Mm. see that. So he's got one half of a Tarangriol. The other half is the cup. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a cup, but that's what they call it. Yeah. And he's got the handle to it. It's like a rod, kind mm-hmm. of. And then, like, the other half is what he finds in this cave. And he attaches it together after he's found it. Mm-hmm. And... Okay, this is funny, but <laughs> he's he was worried about not making it back in mm-hmm. time to everyone waiting for him on the third day. But once he finds the second half to this Tarangriol, he's like feeling the power rushing through him. And it's mm-hmm. the second most powerful Tarangriol, I think, mm-hmm. for a man. Mm-hmm. And he just road runners it all the way back mm-hmm. to the camps. Like, <laughs> doesn't even stop. He is so amped on power and the one power, like, or the, well, whatever power he's got running through him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, snakes and foxes just put something in chat and it's. Like a cane that holds like a soda can. And he says, like, I'm gonna say this was it. Yes. You're right. That's exactly how I envisioned it. The cup was actually just like it was like Age of Legends Mountain Dew. I just found my new cane. <laughs> I've been needing to get one. That's awesome. 
You need one for a um, for like a coffee mug, though. Yeah, or to like hold my water bottle. That would be cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Where now was I'm I? Pic- Sorry, I got so distracted. No, no, because like now I'm picturing <laughs> Bao showing up later with that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, Luciferin! <laughs> Shakes Kane angrily. Right. <laughs> That's him slurping on his, I'm assuming, Mountain Dew. Maybe some other power energy drink. It's a Red Bull. So, okay. He's got the he's got the Tarangriel. He makes it back to the camp, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. It ends quite abruptly. I like how when Bao comes out of the the canyon or whatever and he like shouts for Mintel and he says the day has come at long last I name myself the wild your dragon slayer has come and it's another indication of this Sharon prophecy where they think the wild is there to take out the dragon because the dragon is going to destroy the world and only the wild can do that. And it's just like, oh, that's what you guys think is happening. It's such a different, like, it's a different situation, but so much the same as what's happening for Rand. Yeah, and I get it. Like, I understand. I just... I'm not a prophecy person. Mm-mm. It's always, you know, how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, I totally understand that they are blindly following because, let's face it, they they haven't, they haven't gotten out much, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know much of the world. But when you mm-hmm. end up, like, fighting on the side of Shadow Spawn, shouldn't it kind of be like, <laughs> like, maybe... I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. So, yeah. It's a little... It's a little sus. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we get, like, all the way to the end. Everybody's like, huzzah. Bow the Wild is here. And... um. He slides down a fireman's pole and starts dancing <laughs> takes to off his, my pony. <laughs> yeah. Snap off pants. <laughs> yes. Tearaway pants. That's Tearaway pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, starts, like, my dancing. God. Yeah. I um, love it. My Bow the Wild fan cast is Matthew McConaughey from 100%. Magic Mike. 100%. Yep. That's it. That's exactly it. Snakes and <laughs> Is remembered, I think, because he just put a gif in. I think that's him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's got a bit of a. Wild. Yeah, so, um, okay. You had last. We'll wait till the end for last battle stuff. And then, um, can we talk about TV show stuff? Like, sure. some speculation? Always. Do you think think we will even get a Shara and if we do mm-hmm. how would you like them to be introduced and how early would you like them to be introduced I'm thinking yeah sorry that was a lot of questions to no it's ponder. it's okay um usually I have that like kind of spinning around in my head but I feel like 
Char is so new that it's still not something that I have quite like fully conceptualized. What I really like about the way that it's done in the book is that it's like drops of something mysterious building up to something that just kind of like smacks you in the face. I wouldn't. See, I didn't. I didn't like it how it was in the books. You didn't. Mm. Okay. No, not at all. I would have liked way more, but I mean mm-hmm. that's with so many things. Mm-hmm. But it. Of course, like they want to leave some mystery to it because reasons. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. I mean, we get way more, way more background on the Shan Chen, mm-hmm. and they're essentially kind of a similar plot device. Mm-hmm. Like, just, well, you know, they could have either been the good guys or the bad guys and fought against our good guys, mm-hmm. had things changed a little bit, but... They're also this kind of mysterious culture where, like you said, it's just sprinkled in the books, Mm -hmm. but it's really interesting. So it's like having to dig for information to find out about them is kind of disappointing. Like, I would like more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and that was another thing that was kind of difficult about, like, doing the additional reading on the things that I didn't know about was that there again it's just one of those things where there's not there's not enough there's not enough to know like this is this is wrong and this one's right because it's like in three different places something a little bit different so even (laughs) even even the records online are mysterious (laughs) yeah snakes and foxes said they could have easily made the shanchen from their lands the Sharans, which would have been cool with mainland Shanchen versus those who stayed behind. Like, instead of having Shara have a oh. civil war with the Shanchen. Okay. Oh. Like, instead of having Shara have a civil war with the Shanchen. Oh. Okay, I yeah. I loved that. Well, I mean, that would, that would be interesting because it was like, you know, like, we are the Sharans and... Even the even I mean the Shanchen the Shanchen are also like we have a very monolithic society yeah but we know it's not true because it never is mm-hmm. yeah and and like, that's something that they need to do with a TV show like they mm-hmm. have to like hammer that home I think and if they don't it's completely unrealistic and it's just bad writing I mean you can't have every white cloak be Eamon Valda bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be layers and layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have to have, like, the good ones in there, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, too, just ones that, you know, maybe don't really give a crap about their nationality. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, not every nation needs to be like patriotic or nationalistic like there's Mm -hmm. always going to be outliers and I think that's what's really cool about some of the wheel of time cultures Mm -hmm. I mean even the Aiel like there's so many different clans you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like 
it's almost similar to the expanse like the belters you know mm-hmm. like how many clans are there out there mm-hmm. and then there's even the shido who yep don't even get me started your so, outliers yeah 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 and, and if I, they do that with the shan chen mm-hmm. that would be cool i think i would rather have that than an introduction of an entirely new group of people like there's already a lot happening in the wheel of time there's no time in yeah. the tv show mm-hmm. to introduce like a whole new culture and make exactly. it good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if they have to cut corners that way i wouldn't wouldn't be mad about it yeah but i would freaking love to see shara like i would love to see a whole new culture brought in mm-hmm. i mean i i want it all mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm greedy <laughs> well and there are there are places in the in the book there's that encounter with grendel where she has the shibote and shiboan from shara as her pet like that's how things started to fall apart in Shara, which was what allowed uh, Bao to come in and kind of fulfill the prophecies, which then led to his adventure with the Jumara and the Nim and whatnot. So Grendel's kind of messing with Shara, and we see that early on. So, Let the Lord honestly, of Chaos rule, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, that was one of her things that she did to kind of, like, start making that happen and Bao was able to kind of be the person who stepped in and like started making the Sharn people feel liberated you know what I mean yeah grand uh, yeah so like as far as like destabilizing Mm -hmm. just everywhere in the wheel of time map like no matter where it is Mm -hmm. okay this we're going to go into full spoiler, full-blown spoiler territory right okay. now. So. Should we put our break here? Yeah, and now a word from our sponsors who are us. Momentary interruption, friends. Since we are not good at remembering to promote ourselves during the show, here's how you can keep the road to Tarvalin growing. First off, rate and review us wherever you listen to The Road to Tarvalin. This helps new listeners find the podcast. Listener support is available through Anchor. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month with amounts leading up to a generous $9.99 a month. Also, we have a new merch shop. Cozy Contorta was inspired by the books and characters we love, and it's not just Wheel of Time focused. Go check it out at Cozy Contorta on Instagram or find the link on our website via social media. Income means better equipment, more content, and more opportunities to be able to grow our amazing community. We love you all and feel endlessly grateful to each of our listeners for joining us week after week on the road to Tarvalon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the episode. And we're back. So, like, destabilizing the world Mm -hmm. of the Wheel of Time is one of the biggest ways that the side of the shadow works to like Mm -hmm. fight yeah and we see it in them having certain people in high positions all over the westlands Mm -hmm. we see it as pretty much just 
any area that they can make a little chaos, like, mm-hmm. that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much, like, they're not trying to outwardly fight in some instances. Yeah. In some cases, it's even better to get the good guys fighting one another. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that they're distracted on everything else that's going on. So, like, this works so easily for them because of mm-hmm. how petty certain groups are and yep. how short-sighted they can mm-hmm. be. And, again, like, not a bad tactic. It worked. Yeah, and I really like this I, this idea of the Civil War with Shara thing. And if you put it so that, like... You mean semi- Civil War with Shan Chen? Yes, yes, I did. But you have Semiraj doing her thing there, and instead of Grendel going after Shara, she could find a way to undermine what's happening with Semiraj, which would then potentially lead to a civil war in Chanchen. So you could even like flip it so that things kind of stay. They're the undermining same. each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I mean. How chaotic does that sound? No, definitely. Yeah, I love love that idea. My biggest fear is that we actually don't get any of the Shara Mm -hmm. story because the TV show gets canceled before it ends. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's my biggest fear. I mean, yes, mine too, but don't say that. Amber. <laughs> One of the things, okay, uh, you saw the the wrap up, the Wheel of Time TV show wrap up video mm-hmm. where it was like that little, you know, short clip. You saw the woman that was like doing special effects makeup on a bust. Did you see that part? I'd have to glance through it again real quick. Well, it's like a makeup woman or special effects makeup woman, and she's, it looks like carving on a clay bust, which usually, I feel like that would be done to make the latex um, pieces that go over the skin. It was like on the back of a head, mm-hmm. a very bald head. So I'm just wondering, like, it looked like these tattoos on the back of the head or Mm -hmm. mostly, like, scarification. Like, it's, it, what, what reminded me of it is when we were talking about Bal the Wild, like, being branded on the back of his hand, Mm -hmm. this circle with the knives on it. Yeah. And on the back of this bust that she's working on, there look to be, like, brands or scars that are done in an intricate way not just like you haphazardly like cut yourself and now you have a scar it's like something that's done in a design Mm -hmm. and I was like is it's way too early for the IAD right like the IAD they're the only ones with tattoos besides the sea folk and some of the Some of the Westlands, yeah, some of the Westlands have it too, but not Mm -hmm. on the face or head that I know of. If you're going to go with the Shara storyline, it is not too early to start a slow introduction to them for a TV series, I think. I would almost think you would have to start now, really. 
Right, because you don't want to just put them in at the last minute and people mm-hmm. be like, like, who are these guys? Like, it just, the way that it's done in the book wouldn't work on the show, yeah. I don't think. I agree with you on that. I do. It was one of the things that I was I was thinking about when I was going through it is, like, I like how it's done in the book, but I think for the TV show, it just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. No, I mean, it, I don't it's think like it throwing in a, it's just like throwing in a MacGuffin army that shows up in the last minute, yeah. you know, after how many seasons, and then you're just like, who the hell are these guys? Exactly. Weird. Where, Where did they come from? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is happening? I mean, really, that's like, that is how I felt. Even after reading the series and having those like small places where they show up and knowing that Shara was the thing, but just not really understanding it. So it almost felt disconnected. It was hard for me to understand completely what was happening when they showed up and like their customs, the way that they go after things is not like any other culture. So it wasn't just like, soldiers coming in and storming and they have cannons and whatnot they have these strange outfits and lots of tattoos and they're vicious when they come out to fight like out of i really loved the description of the tattoos from river of souls because he's saying how it comes like up under the neck almost as though it's holding the head up to its chin yeah i like it made me think of like yeah, it made me think of, um, like, First Nations um, tribes from Canada where they will have, like, the lines that go down from the lip down the chin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know, like, it's just cool. Like, I want more, I want more nations, more cultures thrown into the TV show. I think, like, as big as you can make it Mm -hmm. without completely confusing people is good. And to be honest, like, a little confusion is good. You want people to pay attention. You don't want it just to be something you turn on in the background because you want noise on while you're playing on your phone. You know, like, you want it to be. Yeah, you can come back and watch it again and be like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. You Mm -hmm. know, like, that's. That's something I always appreciate about shows that make me think or like maybe I binged so hard I didn't catch everything the first time. So coming back and watching it again is like a revelation all its own. So Yeah. Yeah. I and I mean, first season of The Wheel of Time wasn't quite there, you know, like there wasn't a whole lot that I felt like I had revelations about on the yeah. second watch. There were maybe like short things that I missed, like oh, like, okay, like, I didn't realize that, like, Leanne had this outfit on, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, that's interesting, but it wasn't, like, stuff within the dialogue where I'm, like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. I missed that? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, actually, I, I kind of have to applaud that, that it didn't leave you, the first season didn't leave you kind of, like, so stumped you couldn't figure out what's going on and so it wasn't like discouraging to people who are being fed a whole lot of information across like those eight episodes 
So Yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, I know a lot of people that haven't read the books were completely confused and had no yeah. idea what was going on. Yeah. But to readers, I think some of them felt like it was a little bit spoon-fed. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can't win it all. I mean, Mm-mm. you can't please every single person. And no. We Love Time fans, like, we're wild. We reread these books <laughs> over and over and over again. So it's like there's thousands of Wheel of Time super nerds out there where it's like, yes. that doesn't happen in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not calling someone a super fan or a super fan, like a super nerd, a bad thing because no I am I am one of them. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I wear that title proudly, thank you. Yes. We all do, I think. Yeah. I mean there's a reason there's a reason why these books get to us, you know? There's just a yeah. lot to it. And it invokes humanity and balance and good and evil and are those really things good and evil you know Mm-hmm. yeah it's a delightful series i'm so excited to start book three <laughs> ah, it's almost time okay <laughs> yeah agreed in regards to the tattoos actually one of the things that i wanted to mention is that a queen observes when, uh, like, the Aes Sedai camp gets overrun by the Sharans, she observes that, like, certain people have a lot of tattoos and others have very few, indicating, and it's, what is it, is it rank-based? I'm going to see if I can find it real quick because I'm forgetting how, how it was worded, but I know I saved it. It could be rank. It could be power and like strength in the one power. It could also be like, I know this sounds really messed up, but the Sharans are like meticulous note keepers on the background of every iad that reproduces. So it's like they keep the bloodlines all written down. Like it, it could even mean something like, which line of Iad you came from, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Okay, so I found it. Uh, in regards to the tattoos, this was on the Wheel of Time wiki. Um, a queen observes that the more a person is tattooed, the less authority they have, with the disturbing implication that it is easy to lose status and impossible to gain it, as tattoos are indelible and can always be expanded. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, you can only, at some point, you lose space. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, it depends on how many, how large, like, yeah. Eventually, you won't have space for more tattoos. But it just, I, I hadn't really fully understood the implications of the tattoos during the last battle because I was all wrapped up in the last battle and I hadn't been exposed <laughs> to Sharon's up until that point. And at the same time, like, Egwene could be totally talking out of her ass. She could right. have seen, like, five people and just made the assumption. So, like... <laughs> yeah. Do we have anything else to, like, talk about for tattoos? I just think they're neat. Anytime that tattoos are mentioned, I'm, I'm interested. 
you know, as someone who gets tattoos that have no meaning whatsoever, uh huh. I'm like, okay, with tattoos. Like, there's no grand meaning behind any of mine. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, liked that. Guess I'll put that on me. <laughs> but I also think it's hard, too, with the way that the TV show is doing things because obviously you want to in- be inspired by things. Like, you don't want to steal, like, the tattoos of real-world cultures mm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like... They're going to have to come at it sensibly, I Mm -hmm. guess, Mm -hmm. and make it their own in a way. So, like, that's really exciting, I think, to see what they're going to come up with. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want it to just look like, you don't want it to look like you just, like, saw somebody in a National Geographic magazine (laughs) who had like traditional tattoos of like a small culture somewhere and you're like that's Uh it that's what we're gonna do you know that's the one for me yeah it'll be so cool right and they I mean they didn't so much do that with Suan but there were definitely symbols on her tattoos that meant certain things in different real world cultures so well and they intelligently did that in a way that it also reflected her childhood in tear and right. so i felt like i'm excited if they're going to do more tattoo work because i thought that they handled hers really well yeah so did i mm-hmm. and also if you haven't watched or listened to that episode that was a really good one mm-hmm. that was like back in the tv show episodes in the tv show era yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) or you know like just go just go nuts with it and just have like the sharans like teardrop tattoos you know (laughs) like straight prison tats well isn't there what group is it that has nope I think that's actually uh, Game of Thrones. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking of? Um, like the face tattoos that indicated your position within the society. And I think that that's actually a Game of Thrones thing. I don't think that's a... I was just thinking of like Jason Momoa with the blue face paint called Drogo. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want that to be the Sharns, though. And it'll be interesting to see, like, this is another culture in the Wheel of Time that's distinguished by how dark their skin is. And I feel as though the show is aiming to not have cultures necessarily distinguished in that way. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to do that along with tattoos and... What is it? Scarification? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm really curious. Like, this mm-hmm. character from the clip could have been Sean Chen. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the only person that I've seen that had a fully, fully shaved bald head like that, I think, was the actor for Lord Turok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe they could bring something like that in for the Sean Chen nobility instead of doing the long blue fingernails, which honestly, uh, I really love the long blue fingernails, but yeah. they could do something like that. Like, 
to differentiate them from, I don't know, other other people, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that might even work towards, again, that whole Civil War idea, like, to like have the the tattoo part brought from Shara to Shan Chan, maybe it gets worked in somehow to overlap. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good little uh, idea. I think. Mm-hmm. Super stoked! There's a Lord to rock. Yeah, I bet High Lord Tatara is pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. And too, I mean, now we know that that we have a two rock. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that we're gonna get the Blade Master battle? They can't. They can't skip that. Okay, here's an idea. I love it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> they could have a cold open where it's like, okay, like a few months later, right? Like Rand just went off to do whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Rand ends up in Falma. And the cold open is hit. Or maybe not just like a cold open, but kind of like how they did the Loghain flashback. Like, mm. it kind of like showed a little bit happening and then it flashes to Loghain like uprising in Giladon, yep. where it could have like Rand walking around a smoking burnt out countryside like I don't know where it looked like maybe a <laughs> tsunami hit because it did mm-hmm. um, and then do like a flashback or cold open in a different episode where it actually shows Lord Turok landing and, like, them just, like, annihilating. Like, completely easy. Just completely, like, stepping into Falma and being like, we own this now. Yeah. And you're not going to do anything about it because they've already, like, destroyed the entire coastland. Yeah. And we could get it from Rand's point of view and just have him there already. Hmm. But there's... Okay, You've seen all of the Aiel stuff that I was sending mm-hmm. to you in the past yeah. week or so. Yeah. It's been super fun. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's this group of, what would you call them, stunt performers mm-hmm. in uh, Morocco. And these are older posts, but I just stum- I didn't stumble upon them. I went down a wormhole of people who follow other people connected to the show, <laughs> found these people posting on their stories, and I was like, oh, they're playing with, like, staffs, you know? Like, mm-hmm. how the maidens will do, like, the tricks with their spears and stuff. Uh-huh. And then, like, jumping from lethal, lethal heights without harnesses onto, yeah. like, airbags. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I could never, not in a million years, but no. it's God, crazy no. stuff. And if if these are actually are farterized my, which I really honestly think they are, yeah, it's possible that we have a very like more ideal centric yeah. season, yeah, than what I thought could have even been possible. Yeah. 
Well, I think what we know about the second season, we're going to, I'm assuming, and I could be totally wrong, I'm assuming we're going to get the assault on Tyr and the Aiel need to be there for that. Like, I really, really hope that's what it is. I, yeah. You know what I hope? I mm-hmm. hope that, okay, that short clip mm-hmm. that they released, mm-hmm. Nynaeve is in the background in one of those clips mm-hmm. in white. I'm assuming her accepted gowns. Mm-hmm. So what if, bear with me here. Yes. That's on the clacker. You can uh-huh. see episode two on there. Uh-huh. So what if... Episode two is her accepted test. Ooh. And then right after that, she is whisked away by Leandrin. Uh-huh. Episode four, Falma. Uh-huh. Episode eight, Stone of Tear. Yeah. Yeah. That's my like a ideal. mid-season climax yep. and then end-of-season climax. That's my ideal for season two because I think if... Or... Yeah. Or they don't even fully have the battle. Like, you could have them end the season with, like, Matt and Tom rolling up to the Stone of Tear and, like, meeting all the Aiel. It might be a little bit anticlimactic, but mm-hmm. you could still do something like that, too, and save, like, a big fight scene for, like, the first <laughs> episode of season three. That would be kind of cool, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm greedy, so I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel as though those two things need to happen in season two because... Once we get into the Shadow Rising, those books are really dense. There's a lot of stuff that happens in them. So squashing that stuff together, like book four and book five together in one season, I, how will they do that? How will they do that? Yeah, with this first season, they could have honestly... I don't know. I have the world as a little meh for me. They could have added that whole episode eight. I mean, that could have even just been completely sidelined and we could have been given (laughs) Falmay for all I can. (laughs) 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 That's awful. (laughs) Uh, I'm cackling. No, um, I don't, it's, it's really interesting to speculate. I think it's fun, but just Mm -hmm. from, some of these women that were doing stunts, like mm-hmm. the height that she was jumping from, honestly made me think the Stone of Tear. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know, like, I picture it being, like, built up higher and higher yep. in different levels. Mm-hmm. So, like, can you imagine, like, just these women, like, dropping from mm-hmm. insane heights and then doing, like, super, superhero <sighs> landings? Yes, Amber, I can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they would be training and doing that for if it's not the Stone of Tear. Yeah, because, I mean, they bumped into Matt on the the rooftops. They're already, like, up up high. And then, like, when Matt's 
getting the fireworks and everything set up and he's seeing more Aiel scaling the walls and I think Rand's even over there off in the distance also scaling the walls like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot happening and they're already I mean how do they get down once they've gotten all the way up and they have a way in other than like doing some badass <laughs> drop flips land on the ground and take off running kind of thing you know or they or they're just (laughs) doing like farterize my training you know like we're gonna get the thing my other cold open idea is just the Mm -hmm. maidens like training and then we kind of like go over some shoulders and you know through some side streets i picture this really long one camera take shot Mm -hmm. where nothing jumps from different angles it's like going through a bustling city and you see kids running and people like stepping out in front of the the camera and then going over someone's shoulder and then you're Mm -hmm. up like watching maidens like doing practicing with their spears and some of them doing like jumps off of shit I don't know and then like a meeting with the septs and talking about Mm -hmm. The Aiel prophecy would be very cool. Yeah. Well, and we could also have that training sequence and include Tigraine in it. <laughs> Tracy will not get off Tigraine. I won't! <laughs> I don't think the actress is coming back for a season two. Don't say that! <laughs> I'm like, you know what would be really cool? The Sharans and Tracy's like, T-Grain. T-Grain. I can't help it. I can't help it. That storyline is so good. And if they don't put it in there, it's just going to get confusing for everybody. No, it will not. Yes, it will. Okay, no, because it'll, she's it'll already be fine. Because everyone's like, Rand, you look Aiel. And... Tigrain is red haired and was shown in Aiel garb, so mm-hmm. it's not confusing. It's only confusing until we find out who Tigrain was. Yeah. yeah. And then we need your Tigrain flashback. I just want it to be there somewhere. Yeah. That's all. I'm I'm spent, Tracy. Yeah? Yeah. All done? All done. Okay. I feel good about this. All right. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.